listening to The Martial Brain, the podcast that explores the intersection between the martial arts, science, critical thinking, skepticism, and that wacky organ that floats inside our skulls in a pool of cerebral spinal fluid, making life unpredictably inspiring, infuriating, and sometimes just batshit crazy. I'm Jeff Westfall for The Martial Brain. Syncope, hypnagogia, barnyard animal behavior, and sex demons. Part 2 Last time, I talked about how, of all the cool techniques in a martial arts world full of cool techniques, I think the chokehold is by far the coolest. I discussed two different hypotheses about just exactly how the chokehold works to render a human unconscious so efficiently and quickly. Today, I want to tell you about a number of interesting and unusual phenomena associated with the experience of being choked out and then regaining consciousness. One of them is what I call the horse breath. A significant number of people who are being attacked with a choke, and who, for whatever reason, fail to tap out, will, just before losing consciousness, expel a breath while executing a bilabial fricative, which is this sound. Another bit of barnyard animal behavior is the phenomenon of muscle spasms. About 90% of people who experience syncope, for any reason, whether by being choked out or simply fainting, undergo muscle spasms of one sort or another. In my experience, these spasms happen the most as the choking victim is coming back to consciousness. Frequently, it seems in rhythmic synchronization with their heartbeat as if each beat of their heart begins to wake up some muscle or other. This often takes the form of a bobbing of the head, one bob for each heartbeat. The victim, as he becomes able, lifts his head a bit, then drops it a fraction, then with his next heartbeat lifts it a bit more, and so on. Now this frequently resembles the way a chicken bobs its head as it walks. This peculiar-looking behavior prompted a long-ago instructor of mine to often refer to choking as turning you into a chicken. Yet another phenomenon associated with syncope is hallucinations. About 60% of people who lose consciousness experience visual and auditory hallucinations, a bit like dreaming. I certainly have. For me, the hallucinations have mostly consisted of virtually experiencing that I was still actively engaged in the jiu-jitsu match. And then the world suddenly shimmers, like I'm being beamed up by the transporter from the Starship Enterprise. When the shimmering clears, I'm lying on my back, with a circle of training partners around me, staring down at me with looks on their faces of either concern or amusement. This experience is extremely disorienting but not usually frightening. As a matter of fact, I, and others I've spoken to as well, find that coming out of unconsciousness after being choked out tends to have a tranquilizing effect. I usually feel more like socializing than continuing to roll. There is frequently a reaction of denial or confusion when others tell you that you were unconscious. More than once, I've heard the choking victim reply with something like, 
No, I wasn't. I suppose this has less to do with ego and more to do with just how vivid the hallucination was that you were still rolling when you were actually unconscious and perhaps even exhibiting barnyard animal behavior. Now, let me go off on a bit of a tangent for a moment. Have you ever experienced a dream in which you were terrified of some horrible, threatening entity, be it a serial killer, a mythical monster, a giant malevolent toaster, or anything else your quirky human brain might cook up, but something you had to get away from, but you couldn't get away from because you couldn't move, because you were paralyzed. Maybe in your dream, you were being held down, pinned to your bed by a monster or an enemy. Maybe you also tried to scream, but could only make a sound like this. I know I've experienced just such dreams, and it was really unpleasant. This kind of experience is usually a sign that you were actually not truly asleep, but instead in a weird state of consciousness between sleeping and being awake. If you're on the way into sleep from wakefulness, this state is called hypnagogia. If you're on the way to waking up after sleeping, it's called hypnopompia. It doesn't matter which way you name it. In both cases, you find yourself in a state in which you are most decidedly, and usually very unpleasantly, not either exactly asleep or awake. In both states, you're likely to experience a combination of mental phenomena, like lucid dreaming, that means that you're aware that you're dreaming. Or another phenomenon you might experience, a really creepy one, is called sleep paralysis. In normal, healthy REM sleep, the time when you experience a normal, typical dream state, your brainstem makes sure to turn off your motor nerves, your ability to move. This is a good thing. It keeps you from hurting yourself in a normal dream state by physically acting out the movements of your dreams. People who are plagued with the malady of sleepwalking suffer a condition in which this paralysis fails to work, a fact that can lead to both comical and tragic events. But in a normal dream state, you're not aware that you are paralyzed in the real world as you lie in your bed. To your dreaming mind, you experience, you feel the movement, that you walk, run, or otherwise move without hindrance. But in hypnagogic and hypnopompic states, the normal rules do not apply. In these states, you are aware that you're paralyzed, and that makes scary dreams much scarier. Lots of people experience these weird, half-awake, half-asleep states. I bet most of you have. Humans probably have for hundreds of thousands of years. What did our pre-modern ancestors make of hypnagogia and hypnopompia? If you guessed that they thought there was a supernatural cause for these states, congratulations, you've been paying attention to this podcast. A huge fraction of cultures from around the planet have legends of malevolent, magical beings that torment you in your sleep. Some of them sit on your chest or otherwise hold you down. In many of these legends, the fiend is a sexual predator 
forcing his or her attentions upon you as you lie helpless. This horny devil is known by many different names among many different cultures. In most of Europe, the male version was an incubus, and the female version was a succubus. In ancient Sumeria, and later in Jewish and other Semitic cultures, the male version was called a lilu, and the female a lilin. The Arabs simply referred to it as a jinn, a generic term for demons in their culture. In Zanzibar, it was known as a povobawa. The ancient pre-Christian Germans referred to it as an alp. Such sex demons are so commonly reported across cultures throughout history that modern psychologists have a name for it. They call it the incubus phenomenon. Now, could it really be the case that members of nearly every culture on Earth actually experienced visitations from magically powerful and sexually insatiable monsters in their sleep? Or is it the more likely answer that each culture was trying to come up with some sort of an explanation for a common phenomenon of our quirky human brain? Of course, now we live in a modern, enlightened age where science is respected over superstition. That's why many people, when they experience this phenomenon, insist that they were visited in their sleep by aliens. So what does all this sleep paralysis nonsense have to do with the chokehold? Well, I'll tell you. At least twice when I was hallucinating while unconscious from a choke, I experienced paralysis much like that common in hypnagogia. One of the two times, my opponent seemed to continue to hold me down, or at least that's what I was hallucinating, as I tried to tap to get him to get off of me. But much to my horror, I could neither tap nor speak. How's that for a nightmare? Another time, my opponent was fighting my defenses in an effort to execute a cross-collar choke on me. From my perspective, I saw him release the chokehold, while at the same time staring at me with a horrified look on his face. I tried hard to ask him why he had let go and what was wrong, but I couldn't make any sounds come out of my mouth. Then that Starship Enterprise beaming me up feeling hit again, and I was able to speak. When I asked him why he had released the choke, he said, You went limp and got a really creepy look on your face, as if you had died with your eyes open. Turns out, I had been unconscious. I have also experienced sleep paralysis as well, as I'm sure many of you have. I find that the feeling of these two states is very similar, at least to me. But other than my single experience, I don't have much more to go on. I simply find it interesting that I experienced the same paralysis while under from a chokehold as I did while experiencing sleep paralysis. I don't know if this constitutes a fruitful or even legitimate area of study. It wouldn't be ethical to conduct a study in which you choked people unconscious, woke them up, and then surveyed them about their experience. Now, it's important to note that statistically, being choked unconscious is pretty damned safe. There have been meticulous records kept of judo competitions for about a century and a half. A chokehold is a perfectly legal attack in judo competition. Many thousands of people were choked unconscious in judo competition 
and there is no record of any deaths. But at the same time, it's also true that about 50% of people who are choked out endure a period of at least a few seconds in which their heart flatlines or doesn't beat. But of course, the heart starts right back up again in almost every case. It's also true that anytime you deprive the brain of oxygen, even for fractions of a second, you kill some brain cells, although in most cases the number would be infinitesimally small, too small to matter. This makes it difficult and unethical to do really robust studies of the effects of a chokehold. All that aside, I still think it's just about the coolest martial arts technique in existence. Anyway, that's what I think. But I could be wrong. Let me know what you think, and check out old episodes of the Martial Brain Podcast at my website, rpmartialarts.com. I'm Jeff Westfall for the Martial Brain. The Martial Brain is produced by Raging Squirrel Productions in association with the Rising Phoenix Martial Arts Academy. If you like the podcast and would like to help it grow, go to iTunes or Stitcher and give it an honest rating and review. Contact me with questions about the Martial Brain or about the Rising Phoenix Academy at my website, rpmartialarts.com.